Are you all right? No. No, I'm not. I am a murderer, Theo. The sins of my former life must be atoned for. What happened? How do you end up in a monastery? anybody else as creeped out about this as I am? Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? We're a Babylon 5 watch cast by a couple of strangers, now friends, who are getting to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today we have something different. Yeah, we're going to do some viewer mail. It's mailbag time. Some of these letters came in before the season two recap, and some of it is people who have found our podcast and are catching up. So most of these are actually about old episodes of ours. Okay. <laughs> like going back to season one. Okay. It's most of the stuff I have. So we'll go ahead and get into that. Uh, we have a letter from John about our episode Believers, our oh. episode on Believers and the episode of Babylon 5 Believers. Okay. I'm dying to know. John says, thanks for a perspective on the episode I'd never heard before. Expanding on the interpretation that it's good odds the parents were right. We know that souls exist in the Babylon 5 universe thanks to Soul Hunter. We know souls can be contained and escape from a container as a vapor-like phenomenon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When Franklin cuts into the child, we see vapor escape along with a similar sound to the one when he f- Delenn frees the souls. Even if you don't accept that interpretation, we can assume that Franklin doesn't know everything about the Untine. It could be part of the neurological apparatus that creates consciousness, involves the platter, and that kid is now a zombie. Let's see. Loved the that's some colonizer shit from Jafer. Enjoying the show a lot. John. <laughs> yeah, that takes me back. Gosh. Yeah. 100%. Franklin did not know everything about the Ontine. That was the main problem is that he refused to do the research. Right. Right. He would have known before he even brought it up if he had just read the fucking file. Yeah. That's... Instead of just being an arrogant jackass. I think that's Franklin's main flaw in these early episodes of his, right? That he for sure feels like he knows everything. It's his problem with these aliens. It's his problem with his dad as he feels morally superior to his dad a little bit. It's his problem with <laughs> ladies sometimes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's and classic. Honestly, it's his addiction is also very much stemmed from that. It's not a problem because I would know if it was a problem. Yes. It's my job to know it's a, when it's a problem and diagnose it in others. Uh-huh. So I obviously will know when it's a problem and it's not a problem because I say so. Yeah, that is a good point. And that brings it up to current episodes. Yeah. It's a thorough line for his character throughout the show, really. At the very least for a long time, I think after the... without. Too much spoilies after the addiction storyline comes to a head. Yeah. We're going to have some humble pie introduced, I think. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your letter, John. Mm -hmm. We've got another little quick one here from Patrick. Patrick asks, so if someone, just any random person, not necessarily me, but someone (laughs) wanted to represent the hosts of the show with a fictional character in meme format for no particular reason, <laughs> who would you prefer to be stand-ins for the hosts? Laura and Jafar in memes? I'm thinking perhaps 
Kermit for Laura <laughs> and Imperial Commissar for Trefair. But that's just because I was looking at those sorts of memes. Okay. Uh, I assume we're talking about Kermit sipping tea for Laura here. Uh, yeah, I was like, there's a couple of Kermits, right? There's also like Dark Kermit where yeah, yeah he's got the hood on. I do like Kermit <laughs> sipping tea. That's That would be very flattering. I would feel very honored to be that Kermit. <laughs> yeah. Imperial Commissar I know is 40K and I know that I play 40K, but I'm not familiar with the meme, but I'm probably just old. Uh, <laughs> So I will defer to the judgment of our audience and the meme-making community in our Discord. I, tr- I trust you to uh, use appropriate memes. I would have to Google you... that Imperial Commissar. I don't recognize that off the top of my head. It's probably one I of those the things. Image. When I like, see I, it, I have I'll the image in my head. I just don't know what the like joke with that particular meme is. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I, I would be most honored by whatever our meme community came up with. I think that's adorable. <laughs> is it? Is it the con- deeply concerned commissar here? You want to pop he that over to me? Can like you send me. that to me in Discord? Yeah, I sure can. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's 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 kind of close. Yeah. He's got the big bushy eyebrows. Mm-hmm. His nose is of a similar profile. Mine's got a little. I've seen Eastern you do European this with your it. hands when we're talking about serious stuff. <laughs> I do do the thing. I do do that thing. That's fair. That is a mannerism of mine. I'll have to post uh, like a Kermit and this on our <laughs> Facebook so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> Make myself a note to do that for this episode. All right. Well, there we've got the official word. Go for it. Yeah. Do your best, or or worst, <laughs> Patrick. Yeah. We look forward to it. <laughs> okay, so I also had a question from uh, Symbolic Godzilla in our Discord. This is a very lighthearted question. I need you to think seriously <laughs> about it for a second, Jafir. Okay. Symbolic Godzilla asks, Now that as of Season 2 review, you are both over Level 50 podcast hosts, with a year of continuous podcast adventures and a power level over 10,000, what do you cross-class into? I, well, <laughs> I think it's safe to say I cross-classed into podcasting. Yeah, okay. I think I am a chaotic, good, 3-5 paladin of freedom, personally. <laughs> that is that is the vibe that I try to maintain in my life. Mm, yeah. Uh, the paladin of freedom is a paladin of an ideal compared to a uh, deity of some variety. Okay. And so the Paladin of Freedom has dedicated themselves to exactly that, freedom, which is something I feel very strongly about. I don't think that's a surprise for anyone who's heard me go on one of my political rants. I feel like that's all pretty well aligned. (laughs) Or if you had happened Um, to be like listening to us before we started recording this episode. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's it's freedom's a big deal. That's why I like things like universal healthcare mm-hmm. because the uh, freedom to the ability to pursue the use and enjoyment of your freedom mm-hmm. is just as important as having it. Yeah, it's the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? For sure. Well, I think for me, podcasting was a bit of a cross class, right? This was a new adventure, yeah. but 
I'm really thinking about this for my next year. Like there was that time of the year. I don't know. I don't remember what day this comes out, but that we're all thinking about New Year's resolutions and stuff. So I'm definitely thinking about my next thing. Yeah. This episode, I think, is going to come out in December. Okay. Yeah. So it's I, I'm very pulling timely. Up the sheet real quick. Let's see. Yeah. This episode comes out December 7th. Yeah. So everybody's probably thinking about their next thing too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I, I like your um, alignment that you gave yourself as chaotic good. I, gosh, I'm probably stuck at lawful good. I just can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Lawful good is an important alignment. I just think the laws are stupid. I aspire to chaos, but I am not able to do it. <laughs> it's just against who I am, my nature, I guess. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to cross class into next, but I'm definitely going to be thinking about it. And it's going to be on my little like mental post-it board. What's your yeah, cross class? Yeah. What are you doing? So thanks for giving me something to, to think about. It's, I mean, it's a good way of thinking about it. Addressing it that way is to like things that I'm looking forward to doing or things that I want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got a December to do list. I mean, I uh, spent four hours today setting up my wood shop in my garage. I haven't had my wood shop since I moved. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of tools out here and there, but it has not been organized or set up or well lit. Yeah. Um, so I installed a ton of drop lighting in my garage today in the wood shop area. And I cleaned up about half the garage, got all the tools on tables and stuff and got my nails and screws all organized for future use, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So probably, mm -hmm. probably some more woodworking. I got a couple cutting boards I want to make. I've seen some cool designs. I need to go buy some scrap wood. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, we have one more letter. This letter comes from Matt. Lauren Jaffer. So you folks are the only ones who I know who will appreciate the joke. I didn't quite explain the context well enough to my wife who hasn't seen the show. But during an outing, she had asked me to put her sunglasses in one of my several pockets because she didn't bring her purse. She said that men's clothing has enough pockets to constitute a purse. And I replied that where she carries her purse on her shoulder... I carry my purse and my pants and jacket. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was a bit of a bad bit moment. Maybe I just don't have as much charisma as Jakar and Talon. Anyway, I continue to love the show. I had to share my chuckles and thought others might also get a kick out of them. Matt. I'm always down to hear a joke. Listeners, yeah. if you want to email your, your jokes and your memes too, if you're not in the Discord, do it. Yeah. Shoot us an email with those jokes and memes. Also, a moment of outrage for the lack of pockets on women's clothing. I <laughs> yeah. don't understand. I I don't understand. I don't, I, even like, even the some of the pockets I've seen on women's clothing is just a joke. Like, oh, you got a pocket. You can fit three nickels in there. And it's uh -huh. all like, what about a cell phone? <laughs> yeah, no Where way. is the utility? Like, it drives me insane. Well, uh, and think about like you, you dudes that, that have your purse within your pants and jacket. You can distribute that weight of whatever you're carrying pretty evenly over your body. A purse, yes. unless you're doing a cross-body purse, is hanging from one shoulder, messing up your posture and your alignment. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, it's terrible and completely unfair to women. And 
it literally drives me bonkers. Like if I were to be a more skilled seams tailor, seamster, whatever the whatever the sure, appropriate yeah. term there is, and also not have to worry about like having a day job. Yeah. I feel like out of spite, I would spend my time designing functional utilitarian women's clothing. Work of this quality could fetch quite a price. I would love that. I would love that. Although I, you know, I have seen some dudes who have some pretty gnarly thick wallets that they keep in their pants and y'all are also mm-hmm. throwing off your alignment every time you sit down, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful. If your wallet's super thick, maybe move that baby to the front pocket when you sit down. Just looking out for you guys. I don't understand the use of back pockets for anything besides receipts and trash. <laughs> yeah. If I would not be willing to put it on a chair and then sit on it, it is not going in my back pocket. Right. I don't understand the logic. But there are many people who I know are doing it the other way. It's so weird. So weird. All right. All well, right. that's great mailbag time. Are you ready to get yep. into an episode? We have an episode ahead of us. We do. And I I mean, I don't mean that in the, obviously in the clearly rhetorical sense. Yes, we have an episode ahead of us, but this episode ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm, I'm ready to talk about this episode. We've got season three, episode four, passing through Jacenemy. Yeah. Hey, Laura, real quick off the top. Mm-hmm. Did you catch who directed this episode? I didn't because I'm a loser. Tell me. Adam Nimoy. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Well, that seems to be an indicator of quality here. Very, very nice. JMS, when talking about this episode before its release, described it as his take on doing an episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay. Also, this episode almost didn't happen. Oh, really? What happened to it? So back in season two was the original plan to do this episode, where it was going to be some of the monks coming to the station before the big group of monks that arrive in season three to kind of like establish that they were going to be showing up later. Okay. Set the, set the tone. Sure. Yeah. It was going to be like an early season two episode, but after the quality of mercy airs Mm -hmm. in season one, someone on Usenet was all like, wait, this is how they get rid of criminals. Wouldn't it be crazy if there was like a, someone on the station who was a mind wipe criminal and just had no idea. And then like a telebath, brought out those memories or something and made them go crazy. Yeah. What a crazy episode of Babylon 5 that would be. And JMS is sitting here like, motherfucker. <laughs> that would be good. God damn it. <laughs> well, he had already planned it. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. That's He had already like, this was already part of the planned episode arc. Ah, so he's saying, sh- you guessed my shit. You blew up my spot. <laughs> so he postpones the episode. Yeah, yeah. Over the course of the next year, starts talking to this person who had suggested this plot on Usenet, Mm -hmm. flies out, meets with them in person, apparently, gets them to sign paperwork, like a non-disclosure or whatever, and an an affidavit of some variety that's of the lines of, I won't sue John Michael Straczynski or Babylon 5 and all this shit for doing the episode that I, in public, suggested that they do beforehand. Uh, this explains a lot about J. Michael Straczynski's Twitter, by the way, because <laughs> he's he gets very this like thing signed. Okay. Yeah. 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 He, he gets this thing signed, brings it on home. The paperwork clears the lawyers and the episode gets the okay for season three. That's um, a lot of work. That explains why yeah. he is so adamant on his Twitter. 
that do not suggest anything to me. He yeah. he will block people who suggest things. Oh yeah. And I get it now. <laughs> yep, that's why. He's had he's obviously had an experience. Mhm. Well, I'm glad that it did get made even if it took yeah. all that work. Yeah. I mean, I I think it was worth it and I think he would agree because he's only said good things about how this episode came out. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I hope that Usenet fan appreciated what came of that idea yeah. even if it wasn't his originally yeah well i mean it, ideas can exist in yeah. multiple places for sure so we open on a chess match between yes. captain sheridan and brother theo and we have ivanova and a brother we haven't met yet mm-hmm. watching brother edward yeah brother edward we know this actor very well don't we if we've been watching our star yep. treks <laughs> this is brad duriff who mm-hmm. is very famously typecast, I feel like, as a serial killer in the 90s. As a very creepy person, at least, right? Yeah. So I didn't find much about him guest starring on the Usenet. Mm-hmm. But in the season guide, there was a ton of stuff from multiple of the series regulars who were just like, Brad Dourif is a master of his craft. Whenever you're acting with him, it elevates you. It's like when you're playing in a jazz band and there are musicians around you mm-hmm. who are so skilled that they elevate the entire group. Yeah. That is what it is like acting with Brad Dourif. Oh, that's very nice. Very complimentary. Yeah. I have to say, I think, you know, of the few things I've seen Brad Dourif in, I'm not going to say that I've seen a lot of his work because I probably haven't. But this is probably mm-hmm. like the nicest role when you think about it. Yeah. The character in the past we find out did some horrific things, but this person doesn't seem to be the same person. Well, he's Uh, not. Yeah. So this is actually a very nice role and you feel a lot of empathy for this character. I think most people do anyway, but anyway, so Sheridan's big dogging Theo. He says that he's got him trapped, but Theo is very confident and speaks on his faith. And whoops, checkmate. Yeah, Sheridan was too busy being confident about his moves and not paying attention to the actual board. And as they're wrapping this up, Ivanova gets a message that Ambassador Kosh is coming back. He's been out Mm -hmm. and he wants to meet her in the mysterious Bay 13. Yeah. When we see the ship dock, Kosh walks out from behind Ivanova. Yeah. He's apparently just chilling in the bay. <laughs> He's he wasn't he wasn't on the ship. Yeah. They just didn't know. He wasn't on the station apparently. His ship was gone. They thought he was on it. He wasn't. Yeah. But out walks Lita, who has returned to Babylon 5. Yeah. She's back. Lita recalls her journey to the Vorlon homeworld and kind of explains her role as Kasha's aide slash diplomatic attache. Yeah, she basically just camped outside of Vorlon's base until they had to pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we hear a harrowing story about how terrible they treated her. Yeah. um, That is not okay. They let her sit out in this pod for days. I think she says five days. In a life pod that they, they basically left her there with their air running out. She's sending signals, like actual ship signals and telepathic signals. And finally, they they picked her up, and she's not allowed to talk about what she saw on the Vorlon homeworld. After this, we see Brother Edward negotiating some work for the monks, 
and a black rose falls out of his bag. Mm-hmm. Nothing sinister about a black rose ever. No, nope. completely normal flower. Garibaldi is watching the news as Delenn comes in, and we see the results of a murder trial. Someone is sentenced to death of personality. What a crazy random happenstance that we have this note in this episode at this time. Yeah. Just in time for Delenn to ask, hey, what is that death of personality? Yeah. I wonder if this will be important later. Can you explain this to me, Garibaldi? Yeah. Garibaldi is very... I, I can't tell if he... I think he thinks the I death shouted of... a cab at the TV. <laughs> yeah. He's... He doesn't think this is enough justice is the implication, right? He thinks that killing the person's mind isn't enough. We've got to kill their body too, I guess, maybe. Mm -hmm. He wants the electric chair back, doesn't he? Didn't he say that? Something about the electric chair specifically? (laughs) Hell, sometimes I think we need electric bleachers. Which I believe at, at this time in history, we'd already figured out that that was kind of inhumane. Well, he also talked about spacing all of the lurkers in down right. below. So right. not exactly a beacon of compassion. No. Alfredo Garibaldi. No, he's very black and white, isn't he? And he makes comments about he wants an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants the the Hammurabi justice. Isn't that where that came? They teach us in history anyway that it came from the Code of Hammurabi. Hammurabi's Code. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not it actually came from there, I'm not going <laughs> to espouse on that. But I remember <laughs> that's what I was taught. It's not necessarily yeah. right. And Delenn comments that you would leave all of society toothless and blind then, huh? Yeah. That, that's some Gandhi. Yeah. He misses the point entirely, though. He uh, mm-hmm. says, but only the bad people, ignoring the fact that we're all bad people sometimes. Yeah. Dr. Franklin uh, is doing the work up on Lita and notes that she is now in perfect health, mm-hmm. even better than she was before she left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not suspicious at all. As... Uh, Durif gets back to his quarters to find Death Walks Among You on the wall, which is not the Boondock Saints poster he had put up in his dorm room before he had left. <laughs> I, I wonder what kind of artwork these monks would get to have in their cells, right? Shouldn't they have like some icons or some, yeah. something religious imagery? I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't get anything, though. <laughs> I did find it interesting that he has his own room. Yeah, like Isn't because that kind these of a... monks are like famously very poor and constantly looking for work to pay for their rooms. Right, I figured they'd be bunking up. And I think that's a thing in monastic life. Often is that you know you're yeah. sharing spaces constantly, and yeah, but maybe you get your own cells. I guess they call them. But yeah, well, okay. But he's got a sinister message on his wall, and he is very upset. He brings Garibaldi yeah. back there, going straight to Garibaldi not wanting to freak anyone else out. But the message is gone. It's just disappeared. It's sort of like Sheridan's monster that he attacked. It just (laughs) disappeared back in season two. So Garibaldi is a a nice dude and promises to look into it because he's dealt with these kind of people before and they get him somewhere else to go in the meantime. Londo runs into Lita and Mm. basically does his best Jakar impression from the pilot minus the sex. Right. This is a big flip-flop, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's here to show us how much Lita's changed, uh-huh. is what I feel what this really this scene is really there for. Sure. Because it is very similar to that, like, hey, I'm going to push you around for something that I want because you're just some random telepath and I'm an important ambassador, and I'm going to be shitty about it. I'm going to be real shitty about it. Yeah. And in the pilot, Lita was, like, upset, but not... 
I will burn you to the fucking ground, which is how she tells Londo. <laughs> yeah, she's had enough, especially when he trots out his, well, I can report you to Psychor threat that he knows that they want her back. And she's not having any of it. She's going to give him nightmares. You know what? You would think that Londo would have learned some lesson from the Technomage episode on this. Yeah. <laughs> about messing well, Londo with hasn't learned any lessons recently. That's kind of his MO at the moment. Yeah, that's Londo's whole deal, isn't it? <laughs> Delenn meets with Brother Edward to interview them about Mimbari religion. Mm-hmm. Lanier explains that the Mimbari believe that the soul is the puppet one makes with the shadow and the flashlight at the slumber party. <laughs> yeah, it's just a reflection of something else. Yeah. So I guess a reflection of the divine? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're all part of the universe broken apart trying to understand itself. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. That sounds, that sounds fun. That sounds like you want to give everyone a hug. Yeah. Um, sounds very Carl Sagan. Scott Adams wrote a book about that in the early 90s, actually. Really? Yeah, about religion. Uh, we're all just part of God's consciousness broken apart, and we're God trying to understand himself and the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know I if that reconciles with, with uh, Scott Adams Scott on Twitter. Adams history. Yeah, Scott Adams. I don't. This was. This would have been in like the late '90s, maybe early 2000s. The book is called God's Debris. I remember reading it when I was young. Yeah. And thought Dilbert was funny, but that was before my brain was fully developed. So <laughs> you can't really hold it against me. I think maybe Dilbert was funny back then. Maybe on occasion in the late '90s. Yeah. yeah quite possibly. I don't know about now. <laughs> Sorry. That- <laughs> Definitely not recently. Any Dilbert I've seen in the last long time was not funny, but it's done now anyways. So Delenn asks Edward about Christianity and asks for the moment that is the emotional core of the belief. Good question. I think many people have many different answers to this, but his I like his. Yeah, he talks about Christ the, the night before crucifixion. And having the courage to stay and knowing what was waiting and making the active choice. Not to reject the cup. Yeah. 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 And he makes it personal because he tells her that he's not sure that if he would have been that person, which, Mm -hmm. you know, Christ was supposed to be deity. If you, depending on which Christian tract you follow, he's like part of the three or, you know. It's all theology. It's all hard for me to understand. But, you know, he, he's taken it to a personal lesson, and, and he wonders if he could have been that kind of person if he was mm-hmm. put in that sort of situation. So on his way out of their quarters, Brother Edward asks about Valen, and Lanier mm-hmm. becomes a 11-year-old who has just asked about his favorite video game. Yes. He's very excited to talk about Valen. And notes, we get the line, the Mimbari not born of Mimbar. Mm-hmm. That's going to be important. <laughs> it, it is important. I found an interesting Usenet note here mm-hmm. about what the prevailing theory of Valen was at this time, or at the very least a common thought, was that Valen was a Vorlon. Oh, I mean, I could see because that being an the easy conclusion. finale, yeah. We see... We see him as a Mimbari angel thing. Yeah, and she never put a name on that, right? Like the others said, we saw Drashala and Jakar saw Narn by name. 
I don't remember. Maybe. I don't. I don't think she put a name on it. I don't think she said I saw Valen or I saw. Yeah. This. Oh, she definitely didn't say I saw Valen. But you know, to see that Mimbari not born of Mimbar in Kosh mm-hmm. uh, is interesting, and that is something that I had never considered. Yeah, me either. It's just something that I'd never thought about before. But that's a very interesting, and I thought it was cool, and it made me think about it a bit. So I figure I throw it out here. No I spoilies. Think that line just went over my head when I was a kid. Like, yeah. you know how oh, adults sure. adults say weird things sometimes. Then you just yeah. kind of, <laughs> definitely for me, it went there. And it wasn't until later in the series that I got it. Yeah, and I mean, I only watched Babylon 5 on TNT. Okay. So when they picked it up and they moved it over and it was on like every day. So I was shotgunning this show as a kid. I was, it was as close mm. as you could get to binge watching pre-streaming. It was like one or two episodes a day, every day leading up to the premiere of season five. And I was making that almost every day. Mm-hmm. I did actually find out on my most recent watch through two years ago now, but right before we started this pod or a year and a half ago. I actually missed a very crucial episode oh, of the no. show that I only saw for the first time <laughs> on a rewatch in the last, yeah, in, in the 2020s. That's so. crazy. Yeah. So Brother Edward leaves Delenn and Lanier and heads back to Brown Sector where the monks live. And he bumps into a Centauri, kind of shoulders into him accidentally. Yeah. They make a real point of showing us this guy. They do. Like, it's one of those moments that in a show you're like, this isn't just a... This is important. And immediately afterwards, he starts to hear like sounds of scuffle, someone very upset. Mm-hmm. And he sees the message again. He sees that death walks among you message appearing to be written in blood on just like a, a hallway. Then he starts to see things. Yeah, we get a very noir kind of dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Almost. And he's got a, a dead woman that he turns over he like stumbles into this body and she's got that black rose in her mouth mm-hmm. we see him holding a knife uh pruning a black rose yeah as well edward and theo talk and then when theo leaves edward asks bing for some search results and bing's all like i don't know microsoft owns me it's gonna take you four hours <laughs> yeah i laughed at this part i was like this is a pretty quick google but okay <laughs> <laughs> right I could Google this very quickly, but that's fine. Four hours it is. Yeah, we'll wait. Brother Theo comes to to check on Mm -hmm. him, and you can tell Brother Theo has some suspicions here. Yeah. He's, he, uh, it seems to me that he didn't know, and I was surprised that he didn't know. To me, it would make more sense for them to be told, but yeah, who knows? But he feels like, this person could be one of these dead personalities. Yeah. He's just, he's not sure. And they say they run background checks when you apply for the job, but they don't actually run the background checks. They just want you to be able to agree to one. Yeah. So. Yeah. This, this monastery is, you know, not a super secret location. It's a nonprofit. They don't have the funds to just right. run backgrounds checks on every applicant. Yeah. It's expensive. It. Garibaldi finds Edward and tells him that the blood wasn't there. And he goes, uh-huh. why would a guilty conscience show up on a lab report? That's a good line. It is. 
he mentions that he dropped his bag in the hallway mm-hmm. and it had it had the recordings in it that he was making mm-hmm. with Dylan and Lanier and so he needs that back and Garibaldi says you know he'll he'll try to get it back meanwhile Bing finally gets back to brother Edward and it's like yo you're a serial killer mm. Yeah, this seems like a big flaw in the program, doesn't it? <laughs> like it would know who was asking. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that the monks, or at least, you know, like Brother Theo should have been informed. So he could kind of guide mm-hmm. Brother Edward away from Google or something. Because it, it's a big connected world out there. And all of these dead personalities could very easily find out who they were, right? You would think, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so he was he was Charles Dexter, apparently. Mm-hmm. And that was his, the Black Rose was his calling card. We, we were told he's a serial killer. Did we, they tell us how many victims he had or types of victims? I don't think they a, get that. A bunch. And I think he only killed women. Yeah. Is the implication of a line later in the episode. It's but... a very parallel with our Jack the Ripper story. Yes. Yes, um, actually, Beth walked in and watched a little bit of this episode and was like, oh, is he Jack the Ripper? Is this that episode? <laughs> I mean, and good guess. Like, yeah. It's interesting, the parallels in that, mm-hmm. because of what the Vorlons did with Jack the Ripper versus what we as humans did with Charles Dexter. Yeah. Interesting. So Garibaldi and Sheridan have also found out that Brother Edward is Charles Dexter. And the whole story about how he gets there is kind of strange. It's not like he was placed by an agency, it sounds like. Yeah. Shortly after his mind wipe, he was put in like a halfway house thing or something. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like transitioned to having a new personality, it sounded like. And then that place burned down. Hmm. And he was presumed dead and somehow made it out and ended up at this monastery. And for me... This is the thing that doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is one part that doesn't work to me. Because if everyone thought, even like if the official records were all like, this person was placed into witness protection and then burned down and died, right? Mm-hmm. What are all the families doing hunting this guy? Right, right. Is the implication that the families burned the halfway house down, that they figured out where he was and they burned it down? Oh, and they I did not think of that. But how do they how did they find out he's still alive? I don't know that part. Yeah. Um, Maybe they did it from a distance and watched him escape or something. I don't know. Yeah, and then kept pursuing him. It is a weird logical leap. I liked my like my initial understanding of this episode was that he had been placed with the monks by the agency. Or you know, whatever yes, agency same. does this. And that that's how he got traced eventually and found and i i don't know i, I guess i like the, the idea of the agency going out there and finding work <laughs> you know it's but they're supposed to be finding yeah. work and a monastery is a place where you know they're accepting all comers and they can work and i liked the idea of them just placing people in this in these different yeah. monasteries and different organizations and stuff i don't know no, but. that totally made sense to me. This is the thing that ruined. That's the only bad thing I have to say about this episode. Yeah. To say something that was in my rating. I, I liked the way I remembered it a little bit better than the way it actually yeah. was. <laughs> Moving on. Anyways, Edward locks himself up basically and Theo finds him but can't physically reach him. 
and he's uh, struggling with reconciling his past and his present. How can he repent for what he doesn't know he did? How can this be more humane than the death penalty? Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. Yeah. I mean, this show's making a serial killer be a very sympathetic character, mm-hmm. which is weird. It's a weird place to be because, you know, we we know that he did these horrible things, but he didn't know. Yeah. And he thought and that he was a he's curious a person. person. Uh-huh. He's quite literally a different person. It's a real ship of Theseus thing. You know, like if you've completely erased someone's personality and their memories and given them an entire new life, you know, they are a different person. Yeah. And he is a very different person because his old self wouldn't have felt remorse. Right. So they basically wiped out whatever it was in that personality that didn't feel remorse and gave it yeah. a conscience and gave it remorse. And it's it's the same physical form, right? I mean, he's still... Mm-hmm all the same atoms and organs and blood vessels, but he is not the same person. Yeah. And the the people that are pursuing him, they really want justice on his body, not seeing that justice was already done with that mind. Like that mind yeah. is gone. That mind is no longer in the world. Yeah, but they don't care. Justice wasn't complete. Uh, before that, we do get a little bit about Garibaldi running in and finding Edward's bag and some of the stuff he overheard was piped in through the PA. Yeah. It wasn't in his head. Yeah. Someone is actively doing this to him, Yeah, which is what we find out in the next scene as the families of his victims are surrounding him as hooded figures. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he knows what's waiting for him at this point and he waits. Mm -hmm. He waits in his own garden. Yep. Okay, so one of the things they figured out when they found the bag was that something is being done to torture him, and they know that the mm-hmm. only thing that can break a mind wipe is a telepath, right? Yes. I think Brother Edward had mentioned he bumped into a Centauri, so immediately they're like, oh, Centauri telepath, and they start looking for this person. They find a Centauri telepath. He's kind of an asshole. He's more than kind of an asshole. Yeah. I didn't know that other races telepaths just walked around. On the station. It depends on their society's rules for their telepaths. Yeah. We've seen Mimbari telepaths, too. Have we seen them just on the station yet? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a little bit about them where they're just called to service. And Delenn, I think, when in that episode with the runaway telepath, I thought Delenn introduced her to a Mimbari telepath oh, in that I episode. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe she just talked about them enough. Yeah, I know. filling it in. I know we talked about them in that episode, probably. We talked about Mimbari, and I think we talked about Centauri a little bit. I found that interesting, that other racist telepaths are just walking around on the station just fine. But human telepaths mm-hmm. have to be in psychor, and they have to be monitored, and they're in danger if they're running away. Like, yeah, there's some, some big double standarding going on. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's psychor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we know why psychos like that from our book club. We do. If you didn't listen to book club, go listen to book club. But yeah, I I think that it's interesting that they don't bring up in this conversation with the telepath that, you know, they, they talk about breaking a mind wipe is illegal. You yeah. know, Earth and Centauri are supposed to be buddies buddy, buddy. right now. Yeah. And you've kind of violated a big Earth law. I think that's a problem, right? 
I would think so. Uh, but this guy just does not care because they won't be able to pin him on it because uh, who they're, what are they going to get him in? Bari telepath? The Centauri telepath isn't going to fuck with me. The Mimbari aren't going to fuck with me. And your human telepaths can't fuck with me. So mm-hmm. eat shit, Sheridan. And then they're yeah. like, okay, well, we're going to throw a bag over your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we happen to have the one telepath in the sector who is yeah. not beholden to Psychor. Check. And I do believe mate. And, uh, and she violates him. She does. She just gets in there, gets what he wants, and he passes out from it. Mm-hmm. At first, you know, is he dead? But she tells us he's not dead. He's just unconscious. Yeah. He's going to be fine. We've seen so many telepaths talk about the deep scan and the hurt and the suffering that it causes. We have so much lip service mm-hmm. paid to that. And to see her just run in and violate this Centauri telepath's mind like that, mm-hmm. it is very concerning. Like, yes. I'm worried about Lita right now. She has no qualms about committing an assault. You know, I, when um, Talia, we kind of used her to accomplish something in this sort of manner against her will, right? In an episode mm-hmm. back in season two, we uh, put her in the same hallway as somebody in order to get some information. And mm-hmm. Talia was very upset about yeah being used that way. Lita does not mind being used in this way at all. She's very uh, business-like about doing this violence. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, sure. I gotcha. Yeah. Let me turn the screws. <laughs> it, it is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't know Brother Theo. She doesn't have any relationship with him. She's just doing a favor for her buddies. So we find out that they've taken him to Brown 42, yeah. Or he is in Brown 42. And security rushes down and we find him suspended, his arms apart in Babylon yeah. 5's second best sex dungeon. This place looks clean. It's got <laughs> lots of equipment. Like, this is a big improvement over where Jack the Ripper was hiding. <laughs> I think this was supposed to be a church. <laughs> because like when when he was waiting there he was like kneeling at a little altar and i think there was like some church stuff around it maybe maybe my mind filled it in okay i think this is a different room because that room was kind of like brownish this room is a little bit cleaner and not okay as drab this room is like a little bit brighter colored i felt okay so they took him somewhere else to do the murder yeah (laughs) well Okay. <laughs> and they strung him up. He is he is yeah. holding his like he is done up to be like he has been crucified. Yeah, it is very Christ like imagery, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is not on accident. Yeah, they they did this on purpose. He's been beaten to death, I, I presume. You know, his face is bloodied, probably internal bleeding. He's still mm-hmm. alive enough to recognize Brother Theo after they get him down. It seems like, and I, I don't actually, I'm not actually Catholic, so I don't actually know the last rites, but it almost seems like he kind of asked for the last rites. Yeah. Without, without... Yeah, those are totally last rites. Yeah, this is a very last rites moment if this these aren't the exact, like, last yeah. rites. And Brother Theo sees him off with dignity. Yeah, we get the last rites to commercial. Yeah, yeah. And it, he at least gets to tell Brother Theo that now he knows he he would have had the courage Mm-hmm. To stay in Gethsemane and not leave. And yeah. that's that's nice. He at least gets that fulfillment. Can you imagine 
because we don't get this in the streaming era. That Babylon 5 stinger right after this happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big emotional moment. Quiet scene. Babylon 5. <laughs> and then, you know, a Folgers commercial or something. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy to me that this is the commercial break. How we used to watch TV is very interesting to think about, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't watch it like that anymore. I don't watch anything yeah. on a network. So instead, we get to watch YouTube and they interrupt us in the middle of a sentence. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but we come back from commercial and I guess Lita has been out and about again. And now she's back. Yeah. Because Ivanova is welcoming her back. And yeah, she's gone for two weeks. There's a little bit of a time jump. Okay, yes, we do have a little t- little tiny time jump. Yeah, we get some exposition from Ivanova that the trial of the murder of Edward has already occurred and finished. Very fast. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Can you imagine a trial in two weeks? Well, he just admitted his guilt. Yeah, and I guess. And they've just moved on. Yeah. You know? I think even when people admit guilt these days, it's not that Well, fast. judges won't let you for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even smaller stuff like uh <laughs> I won't name any names here, but I uh had a friend get a DUI. Uh-huh. And the friend was like, I don't know how this is going to work. They're probably going to take my license away immediately, I figure, cuz I got a DUI. So can you drive me to the courthouse and like hang out and then take me home in case I'm not able to drive myself home? Sure. And I'm like, logistically, I don't think that's going to happen. But emotionally, I will be there for you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, judge called him up and he pled guilty. Uh-huh. And the judge refused to accept his guilty plea. Fascinating. Just outright was like, this is your first offense. This thing, this thing, this thing. Get yourself a lawyer for this and we'll I'll see you again in two months. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I feel like there's legitimate justice reasons that judges would delay things like that so i to i totally get it the judge explained it a bit the minimum sentence and stuff on a guilty plea is different apparently okay and so if he pled not guilty and did other things he would have to like it was a whole thing the judge went this was a long time ago too admittedly but i remember the judge listing off like this ridiculous like it was like a twenty thousand dollar fine or something and it's just like well that's his take home in a year right now, you know, yeah. just like, we're college kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, the two week time frame that they quote here kind of reinforces for me what a, mm, I guess it's some of the, some of the like darkness and fascism of the, the mm-hmm. earth government, because yeah. you know, when, when the wheels of justice turn too quickly, uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, there's opportunities for great, great injustice there. So the fact that it's been two weeks, the trial is over, and we find out that his killer was also sentenced to a death of personality, that has also already been carried out. That's really fast. It's really fast. (laughs) Yes. In the scene after this, we're introduced to Brother Malcolm, a new recruit to the Order. Big moment for Sheridan here as he yeah. confronts who Brother Malcolm is. Brother Theo gives him a little pontification first. He gives uh, Sheridan the glass. Uh, it looks mm-hmm. like a glass origami thing almost. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought it was like a little glass crane thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that Edward had been working on, and we had seen Sheridan admiring it earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. Theo gifts that to him, and then after talking about forgiveness, brings in Brother Malcolm, and Sheridan has to eat his words. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) has to has to realize that he's got to walk the talk that he was talking. Forgiveness is difficult. Yep. And a great moment for Brother Theo, too, if you think about it, that he realized this was the right thing to do for Brother Edward to mm-hmm. knowingly take this person in and make their life better, even after all they had done. So last button on the episode. Yeah. Well, Lita grows gills. She can go hang with Kevin Costner. <laughs> I was like, look at her gills. Look at the gills. Because that's something I really remembered from the yeah. character. And I, I, I will always go for the water world joke. <laughs> I enjoy that movie in a way. You know uh, what I mean? I enjoy that movie as well. I will say, so in college, mm-hmm. this is story time. In college, it was my best friend's birthday. And he wanted to go tubing for his birthday. And we had set up this whole thing and we were going to go tubing for his birthday and it rained really bad that day. Like we were all ready to go. We had a bunch of people getting at my place, you know, because we were living together with their inner tubes and everything. And then it starts to downpour and thunderstorm. And we're just like, we're not going tubing in a thunderstorm. That would not be a bad idea. (laughs) So instead, I ran to the liquor store at like 11 a.m., bought a keg. Brought it back. We all inflated our inner tubes, removed all of the furniture from our living room, Uh and we watched Waterworld in our swim trunks, sitting in tubes in the living room. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way to watch Waterworld now. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So the other thing that's about that scene, not just that she has gills, and I had to remind my husband that, you know, Kosh is in that area that is the different atmosphere area that's Mm -hmm. why the gills are significant yes i don't think we've been in there for just a little bit so ever all the humans have had to wear the the gas mask thing and that's why kosh has an environmental encounter suit like yeah he's got a different atmosphere theoretically and not because he's an angel on the inside but the suit is open and it looks like something of light is streaming out of lita into the suit Mm -hmm. and so this is where we find out that uh, basically, Kosh is just using her as like a mech now. <laughs> so it wasn't just right. Lita that that left. Kosh was with her yeah. in his new meat suit. Duh. <laughs> so interesting. Interesting. Yep. Interesting development. Well, what'd you think of this episode? Oh, you know, our little tiny quibble with the plot aside. For me, this is a Babylon 5 out of 5. 100% five out of five. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. It does all of the right things for a Babylon 5 episode. It brings back old plot points and stuff you had forgot from place setting from seasons ago. It makes you question your your morals, your ethics in a way. It makes a serial killer a sympathetic character somehow. It will makes you question, is this person even still a serial killer? Like... What is the line? What is the boundary? What is the ship of Theseus of the mind? Like, it is so good. It, this this episode 
is just at every point is fantastic. Brad Dourif just knocks it out of the park. Just yeah. fantastic A plus acting. Yeah, you know, I think there's some some moments in the middle where you're kind of wondering, is is he breaking? Is this you know? Is he becoming mm-hmm. a serial killer? Like you know, you you kind of wonder before we find out that someone is doing this to him. You wonder if he's just like the the old personality is just busting through. Yeah, and he's gonna go do murders again or something. There's a little bit of mystery to it that I like on top of the things to think about with ethics and morality and what this universe is like and is death of personality really humane and mm-hmm. there's so so many questions to ask yourself i love it i love to yeah. think about it so i i'm glad that we hit a babylon 5 out of 5 within the first 4 episodes of season 3 mhm and next week we'll be talking about season 3 episode 5 voices of authority there's a new powerful ally in the fight against the shadows. Sheridan's recent actions are questioned on Earth, and some shocking information about Earth's President Clark is revealed. Interesting. That seems like I... a lot for an episode. And it's not things that I specifically remember, like, oh, yes, this is that episode. You know, I'm just like, yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ambiguous, but I know with some of the stuff that is coming in the next five to six episodes, some stuff comes kind of quick compared to where I remembered it before. And I will say it doesn't feel like the plot condensation has started here. That's a season four thing that we'll be talking about a ton because if you were unaware listener, they didn't think it was going to make it to season five. So season four is season four and season five's plots shoved into one season. Yeah. It gets a little crammed. And about yeah. halfway through season four, you're like, what? <laughs> you feel like it's halfway through season four, but it's yeah. episode like seven or eight. Oh, my gosh. I remembered yeah. halfway point. So even it that's felt like that. Off. I was shocked at how mm-hmm. quick some stuff happens in season four. But that's neither here nor there. And that's definitely not for next week. Yeah. What's for next week and this week and every other week is thanking Jeremy Siegel. Thank you, Jeremy, for our lovely theme music. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Shoot us an email, whoareub5 at gmail.com. Obviously, we just did mailbag, so it'll be a while before our next one. But shoot us an email, and we'd be happy to read your letter on the air. And uh, also, join our Discord community. It's fun. Yeah, we're just always happy to hear from you, however you want to do it. We'll yeah. even check our Facebook if if that's uh, your jam. <laughs> I we we've gotten like three messages on our Facebook ever, and I know. I've answered all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm delighted every time I see it. Yeah, I mean we have but, a Twitter. If that still yeah. exists when this airs, we'll see. In a month, if, we'll see if it hasn't burned to the ground. <laughs> our we'll Twitter won't. Twitter itself then. might. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next okay. week, Internet. Bye.